this on December the 4th. Try to stay about three weeks ahead. And <laughs> it's happened about three times that what I had written three weeks prior is something that we were dealing with that Sunday, whether it be in Sunday school, whether it be Wednesday, something was brought up about it. So it would only be Seems like it would only be that way. And I think the biggest reason that things like this happen is because one of the biggest problems we have as Christians is getting out of the way. Yeah. Oftentimes, we won't get out of the way and let God do yeah. what God wants to do. Yeah. Seems to be the way it is. We're going to be in Matthew 1. Matthew 1. And I, I honestly believe that... This Bible that God, he uses, the simple things that confound the wise, makes the wise look foolish. And whenever you think you got a handle on it, he always is going to He's gonna pull the rug out from under you. If you ever Amen. stop, if you ever, you ever think that you're, especially if you think you're at the end of the road, because the second you think you're at the end of the road, you aren't. That's when you have to really, really watch. We're going to start in Matthew 1, verse 18. So Matthew 1, verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Last week I talked and I started to get into it. I said I was going to hold it till this week about the difficulties that could very easily have happened with Mary if things had been just a little different. If, if Joseph wasn't a godly man. See, we see here, he says right in there, he wouldn't want to make a public example out of her. Very easily. If anybody recalls the woman caught in adultery from John... Take her out and stone her, because guess what? She's pregnant, and it wasn't me. So, Joseph could have very easily done a number of things. <laughs> so it begs the question, what do you do when you hear rumor or gossip or slander being spread? Do you listen and repeat it? Do you listen and forget it? Do you listen? Store it away for later use just in case. Doing all things, do you just seek to do the godly thing? Whatever it is. As hard as it may be, as difficult as it may be, you look to do the godly thing. Not because you got some, some angel appearing in the sky telling you. Not because you had some miraculous vision. Because it's the right thing to do. Joseph, as we see already, he didn't have an experience yet. I say yet, because he would. But he didn't have an experience from God yet. And yet he was a godly man. And he not wanting to make a public example out of her and do something that he had in his that culture at that time had every right to do. 
Joseph was a godly man before the dream. We're going to continue reading in verse 20. You go to 25. It says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take thee unto thee, marry thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call him Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bid him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she brought forth their firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, I thank you for this time, I thank you for this time of season where we get a chance to proclaim to the entire world your coming. People who would never admit it walk around and say your name, your title, Christ, Miss. Because you are the center of all things. Yeah. May we get out of the way and let you work. Yes. May we be willing to do the hard things. May we be willing to listen to the hard things. Yes. We ask all these things that you'll just be with everyone here. And that you will help us through. And that you will put joy in our hearts during this amazing time of year where we get to worship you and celebrate your birth. Ask all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. See, Joseph wanted to put her away privately because he wanted to avoid disrespecting her and disrespecting her father. He had every right to do that. He could have very easily made a spectacle, as I said, the woman in adultery. He could have proclaimed, he could have thrown his hands up and claimed, I have every right been wronged. But he wanted to avoid a spectacle, a public example. He wanted to avoid the gossip, the rumors, the, the innuendo. Until long after what we believe to be his death, when Christ was walking around in Galilee, what did people say? Is this the carpenter's son? Nobody but those who were told knew any different that it wasn't his son. Because he manned up and did the right thing. Even before the dream, he was willing to do what would have been the godly thing. Before the dream, he said, you know what? I don't have to subject her to hatred and vitriol. And let's face it, there's nothing religious people like more than gossip. We love to gossip. I mean, I grew up in a Baptist church and I used to love some of the prayer requests. Prayer requests, gossip, you call it what you want. Anybody got a prayer request? Yeah, I would just like to talk to you. Uh, I got to tell you, my uh, brother's uh, daughter, she's she's doing it again. She's back on the drugs and she's sleeping with guys. I just, you got to pray for her because she has three kids with three different guys. And, and uh, you know, she's back living on the east side again. And she just, she's back on. That's gossip. That's not yeah. a prayer request. Yeah. <laughs> That's gossip. That's not a prayer request. 
a prayer request in between two or three where you say, hey, I need to take you aside, I need to tell you something, and you bring them aside, as God said, as Jesus said, you take two couple people, maybe you and another person and a witness, and you take them in. You say, hey, I just got to talk to you about this. You know, something really bad is happening. But that's not, that's not, a, a prayer request in front of people. Take care. I just need to pray because, you know, my brother's daughter is having problems. That's, that's a good prayer request right there. An unspoken prayer request if it's something that would slander the person or possibly because you don't know the details. Nothing we like more than a little bit of gossip. But in, in the case of Joseph, obviously, in those first two verses that we read, he didn't believe her, did he? He didn't. She's, I'm, still a, I'm still a virgin. I didn't do anything. He didn't believe her. He said he's going to put her away. So he clearly didn't believe her. However, she was still young. Maybe he had sympathy on her. Maybe she just made a mistake. We all make mistakes. We all do things. They were living in a time where it was legal for the Romans to rape women in, in, as long as they weren't a Roman citizen. It was not a penalty. It was completely yeah. legal. Right. You rape anybody, really. Children as well. Children were free game as long as they were not one, a Roman citizen. And so maybe, maybe he thought, oh, maybe she's raped and she's just lying about it. We don't know what he is thinking. Yet know that. But we do know that before the dream, he seek to put her away privately because that was the godly thing to do. Yeah. It was not to spread it around and slander her. Because he didn't know. He didn't know the truth. How could he all he knows is she's pregnant? How does he he doesn't know the truth? So what to say? You want murmur, rumor, things going around. It's a funny thing, too, because I, I focus on the rape thing, because that's, they're even in today, you'll, you'll hear people write books and stuff about the fact they believe that Mary was probably raped by a Roman citizen or something, Roman guard. Yeah. It's a funny thing about being raped or molested. The hard thing, as bad as that is, the worst part about it is the way people treat you about it. They'll say things like, oh, it's okay. It's not your fault. Why would it be their fault? They were raped. What do you mean? <laughs> Especially a young person. How could it possibly be their fault? They'll say, oh, this is the sick, terrible, nasty thing. It's a horrible thing. It's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. But don't worry. You're not damaged goods. You know what? After that description, the person seems to think the other way around. Maybe I am damaged goods. They just gave that description and that happened to me. Maybe I really am. It's already a bad enough thing without subjecting the person to. And the worst part is, is half the time, the person isn't believed when they say, well, I was raped. I don't believe it. Mo a lot of people, it happens all the time. Sadly, it happens to a lot of children. I actually do know a thing or two about being raped as a child by a woman in the neighborhood. I wasn't believed either. Went on for four years. Never believed me. Bad thing. Terrible thing. You know, it's weird because you sit there and you hear in church about how terrible it is. But isn't it odd that sex is something that feels good? And yet you hear about how terrible it's the worst thing that could ever happen. And you go, actually kind of seemed okay. I know I wasn't supposed to do it because I was told I wasn't supposed to do it. 
That'll mess up the mind. Because guess what? I like doing something that was incredibly dirty and horrible and terrible. What does that do? That person will grow up to become very legalistic or they'll grow up to become the other way around where they're going to they're gonna go the other direction. If she had been raped, what would be worse than making a public example of her? Or even not publicly proclaiming, but just talking about it behind people's backs. We would have a very different story of the nativity if that were the case. But we don't. We have a righteous man, a guy, a godly man who did the right thing. Joseph was a little different than the people around him because he wanted to do the right thing all the time. It's funny. Point number two talk about the ring. Ring. I was a terrible person for a very long time. I drank like a fish. I tore my knee playing football, hurt like crazy. When I was 19, I thought it'd be funny to throw myself down on a flight of stairs and act like I was body surfing. Caught my shoulder in a banister and dislocated it so bad, I, I got a scar that goes on the, on the, all the way down. And just ripped it right out of the socket. And that hurts. <laughs> it hurts bad enough that from the age of 19 until the age of 27, I would take, you know, there's the at oldies, they for a dollar sell 20 count ibuprofen. I would take a 20 count ibuprofen every morning, all 20. I would take 12 Tylenol, 12 aspirin, and two Oxycontins just to get out of bed because it hurt. And then I'd begin drinking. And it's funny because the entire time while I was doing that, I was in church every Sunday. I got rewarded a pen for 17 years of not missing a single day. Not a single week. I worked in the media ministry. I produced television shows, proclaimed the gospel, radio shows. I ran a Bible study. I ran a children's ministry where we did puppeteering, where we taught the gospel through puppets. If you were to be a fruit inspector and check my fruit, 19 and 20, 21 years of age, you would have said I was a good, good man. You would have thought, man, how is he not in seminary right now? I had plenty of fruit that was rotten on the inside. I didn't really believe what I was saying. Wow. And this is not, I don't talk about it much because I don't want to glorify it. I don't want people to think that you can get away with this because some of the things I've done in my life, other people have done and it's killed. Yeah. And they may have died before they got a chance to make the change. Yeah. And so they might be in hell. So I don't want to give glory to doing bad things. So I don't talk about it often. But when I was 21, I somehow got on the Got on, put on staff at the church because I was good at faking it. And when that happened, I said, you know what? I'm going to, that's it. I signed up for seminary. I was going to go to seminary. I was going to get my degree. I was going to be in media for the rest of my life. I was the time I was actually working for a production for a PG-13 movie, comedy. I 
quit my job doing that, start working at working, making GM parts to support myself and working in the ministry. Signed a, th- a three-month contract with the church that I was going to renovate their entire media operations. One of the guys who previously wanted, was there and wanted the job back happened to send some information to the preacher about what it was, an executive pastor. And after I'd done all the things without even talking to me, they fired me. And I said, you know what? And it was bad enough that I, I wasn't going to do this. It was bad enough I got fired, but they also were spreading rumor and innuendo because they called up my buddy, my best friend, and I happened to be sitting in there when they called his mom and said, started telling what happened. She'd seen the movie and said, well, I don't think that's all that bad. And you heard him stutter a little bit. Uh, well, uh, and he said, well, they're producing porn too. And she goes, what? And we both were. Yeah, they're producing porn. That's a whole other site for it. I don't know the website at the moment, but I can get it to you sometime. I walked back through the church because guess what? They found out that the one project they hired me for wasn't finished yet. They called me up and said, if we give you 40 bucks, will you finish the project? I said, yeah, sure. So I finished the project, and as I was giving it and walking through the church to go back in, I heard the same executive pastor telling the same exact story to the head of the, uh, to the Sunday school, spreading rumor, innuendo, and slander that I was a porn producer. I went ahead and handed it in, didn't take the money, I don't want their money. And I said, I'm never going to be dealing with a Christian ever again for the rest of my life. And I went out and I started it all back up, and this time I was 10 times worse than I'd ever been before. I was a terrible person, mm-hmm. terrible human being, right. to terrible women, used them. And you know, it's, it's a funny thing, when you're taking that much pain medication and drinking that much, you hardly ever eat, and yet you balloon up like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> the last six months, I've lost 50 pounds. That's why all my clothes hang off of me. You would believe, oh my goodness, you were bigger than this? I was bigger than this at one time. My belt, it's on the last notch. Don't even put my pants up anymore. It's expensive to buy a new belt, so I'm going to have to put a pin through it or something. But I continued that until I was, until 2008. I had lost my job, it wasn't my economy, took a hit. And I can tell you one thing that's true about me, that's more than true, is that I fail at everything. I failed at everything, including suicide twice. And after I woke up that second time, I said, God, what is, can't you just let me have this? And I looked over, there was this ring that I'd bought for my girlfriend that she'd left me because I didn't have a job. And when you don't have a job and you look like me, money means a lot. And it was sitting on top of a Bible. And I picked it up, I put it on, and I said, I'm going to find out about you, God, and what you are and who you are. But I'm not going to start with the Bible. I'm going to start as far away as I can get. So I start with Islam, study Islam, study Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, Wiccan, the Lima. I ended up doing Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism. No, neither of those two make any kind of sense. So I found myself back at the Bible. And I said, God, I will spend the next year 
reading this thing and tearing it apart word by word. And if there's one thing in here that contradicts one other thing, done. And in, after a year, there wasn't a single thing that contradicted a single thing. And I said, God, I lied. I'm not Amen. going back. Amen. So I went to work and I lost my job that day. And so I said, well, I might as well go to church. So I went to church where my, where my cousin is. And I still didn't really believe it. So I continued studying, continued studying, continued studying. And before you knew it, I was on staff. I was working. I was doing whatever. We took over a church that was failing. My cousin did. I left. They had 300 people. I was burnt out because I was sleeping in the, in the office every night because we were working our butts off. And I went back to working. And I was sitting there and I said, God, what do you want from me? Just what do you want? And I looked down and I saw the Bible again. And I opened it up in Matthew and I started reading. And the first thing I read was in was red letters in the third chapter that said, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. This is Jesus talking to John. So when John says, you, I, you should be baptizing me, I shouldn't baptize you. But in my moment, it seemed to fit. I'm like, God, why are you, what's going on? What is this? And it's suffer it to be for now. For thus it becomes to fulfill all righteousness. The week before I'd actually caught my finger in an engine block trying to do some car work. And I realized I'm really bad at car work. So I took this thing off because it's on the wrong finger. And I bought this ring, which... It's actually Lord of the Rings ring. It says one ring to rule them all. And the inside it says, and in the darkness bind him. And I put it on and I said, no matter what it is, I'm going to be in your ministry, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want. It's what it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. And it has been a weird and twisted path. <laughs> and I'm telling yeah. you what. Amen. Rick Warren said, if you want to do a something scary, tell God, Use me. Because <laughs> yeah. that's when you leave something open like that for God, he doesn't play games. Mm -hmm. He he does not play games, he plays for keeps. Amen. So saying all of that, it's because this represents for me. Actually, the other one was a it's a promise ring. It's not a Purity ring, because a purity ring means that you haven't slept with anybody. So it's a promise ring. That I will make God number one in my life until he either gives me somebody or until I die. And then I'll work for him regardless yeah. of what happens. Yeah. And so I stand before you today being probably the worst person in this room. And yet the person behind the pulpit who is talking about God and his infinite mercy and how that Joseph, by being a godly man, did the right thing by not allowing gossip, by not talking about people behind their back, and not slandering anybody, yeah. and choosing to do the godly thing 
before the special revelation of a vision. Why? Because it's the right thing. Do the right thing because it's the right thing. Don't wait till you have some dream or you have a vision or you've blacked out and you've got audible hallucinations from drugs going through your system. Do the right thing because it's the right thing. How do you know what the right thing is? It's in this book. It's in this book. God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others. You can only get to the second one if you've done the first one. That's it. You can try to love others, but I guarantee you, you're wasting your effort because it'll always be selfish. It'll always be serving you. It'll always be something that makes you feel good or look good or something unless you are fully and utterly given to God first. It's how it works. God has an order to things. And the one thing, now he will use an imperfect vessel for destruction, for wrath, for an example. But he uses the vessel that's been broken and put back together because, as I've said before, when there are cracks, that's how you see the light shine through. It's through the cracks they give it character. And so we see the character of Joseph and that even when he had every right to do one thing, he chose to do the godly thing. Joseph was a little different. Luke chapter 2. Starting in the fourth verse, Luke chapter 2. Joseph did the right thing. And because he was a man of God, that's why God chose him for this situation. That's the reason why God gave him the special revelation of a dream with Gabriel. And because of that, we get to read, starting in the fourth verse, second chapter of Luke. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should deliver. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, not singing, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them unto heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the sayings which were told to them concerning the child. 
And all those that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Because of what Joseph did, we get to see one of the greatest signs of mercy in the entire Bible. And we get to see two of them. We get to see God himself come down, put himself into his own creation, so that he would eventually become the salvation that he promised to Abraham on Mount Moriah all those years ago. When Abraham took Isaac up there, he said, Isaac said, what is the sacrifice? Then God stopped it and said, don't worry, I will provide myself a sacrifice. And he did. And he was laid in a manger, which is, interestingly enough, is where the little lambs would have eaten from. Put in swaddling clothes, which is something they did to the little lambs that were meant for sacrifice. They'd swaddle them just like a baby, so they didn't break their legs, they didn't have any problems. And the shepherds knew this. And we see the second greatest sign of God's mercy, and that is shepherds were the lowest of the low. There was nobody below a shepherd as far as the wrong. They got paid nothing. They were sleeping in the dirt. They literally slept in the dirt and the mud, whatever they did, in their clothes. They wore the same clothes for three, four months on end. They were the lowest of the low. There were Levites. There were priests. There were Sadducees. There were Pharisees. There was a king. And God chose shepherds to appear to. The lowest of the low. There were people, I guarantee you, there were people so religious at that time, there were people, even in the middle of the night, sitting in a synagogue or a temple somewhere, being pious, being the most religious people there were. And God said, shepherds, the lowest of the low. And you know the reason why? I honestly believe the reason why is because had he appeared to the people in that synagogue, it never would have left that synagogue. They would have continued sitting there. They would have said, oh, that's interesting. They would have gone about their life. But see, the the shepherds, they heard about it, and they spread it abroad. They told everybody they knew how amazing this was, how awesome this was, how that the Lord came down himself. They saw the angels. It was a mighty work. God chose not to use the most religious people the people who showed up to church every time the doors were open. He chose to pick the people that were in the slums. That's who he, Jesus was raised in a slum. His father was a carpenter. We say carpenter, we think today, like people who do really amazing things with wood. When they wrote this Bible, the word carpenter was no different than a person who mended fences on a farm. Worked with wood, that's all it meant. He was the son of a poor person. He said, the birds have their nests. The lilies have their covering, but he has no place to lay his head. He owned nothing in his lifetime. He existed off the generosity and charity of others. He could have done anything. He could have made rocks into bread. But he chose to allow people to see him 
He chose the lowest of the low. But I asked you a question, several questions. Is God in the pew beside you? Yeah, of course he is. God's everywhere. He knows all. He sees all. He's everywhere. Is God in a dirty alleyway off Merriman Road behind a bar where a poor person is sitting next to a dumpster waiting for him to throw something away so he can pull a sandwich out? Mm-hmm. Is God here with you as you sit here in church? Some people come to church because they love it. Some people come to church out of obligation. Some people come to church to hide from the rest of the world. You're going to sit in your pew, hide from the world, wait till God floats us away like birds and we don't have to worry about this place anymore. Let the rest of the world go to hell. I'm saved. I'm sitting here in my pew. Leave me alone. Is God with the crackhead who just turned a trick behind City Hospital in Akron that instead of buying milk for her kids, bought rock and smoking it? Yeah. He sees it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But are we not the hands, feet of the body of Christ? Who takes the message, the word of God to those people? You're getting a word from God here in this. this. What does that do for the greater society? God's everywhere, but who brings the word of God? How does the word go if somebody doesn't go? You can sit here. I can sit here in our designated pews. Listen to the preacher. Because I know some people love that preachers will sit there and say, the rest of the world's going to hell and we're great because we're sitting here in church when we, on a Sunday morning like we should. We're here like we should. The rest of the world's going to hell and let them go to hell because we're better than them. That's what they're saying. You don't think it, but that's what they're saying. That's what's feeling. That's why you come here, you feel superior to the people out there. Because you're here and they're out there. If they really cared, they'd be here too. Do they know? Romans 10, 13. Do they know the story I just read? Do they know how to read? If they don't know how to read, how do they know? Who brought it to them? Blessed are the feet. We can sit here and preach to our choirs and amen our ignorance, or we can be the body of Christ. This is something that everybody forgets because it's so comfortable sitting in these pews and not having to worry about it and not having to go out there and do the hard thing. Not being in the trenches where you're dealing with people that one slip up might give you a disease. But who did God, when he had a chance, when he had people sitting in a synagogue, more righteous than any of us in this room will ever be, they spent their lives in the synagogue. And he chose shepherds because he knew shepherds would use their little feet and he would carry it abroad. When God went up, grew up and he said, it's time to pick disciples, he picked fishermen. When John and Peter were preaching the gospel, the people said, how do they know these sorts of things? Because these people are so ignorant, we can tell by the fact they don't use proper language. John and Peter, Peter, 
who preached on the day of Pentecost, 5,000 people saved, couldn't put together sentences properly. He probably sounded like some, some hick that crawled out of some holler somewhere, and yet he's up there in front of throngs of people sharing, and people are getting saved. Why? Because he went there. He was there. God knew that the lowly are the ones who confound the wise. The lack of repentance is the root cause of powerless in the church. In this materialistic, self-indulgent age, there could be no spiritual power in a non-repentant church. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said a long time ago, no more truer than it is today. It's no more truer than it is today. If ever there is an idea of somebody to put their, look down their nose at anyone, you are sinning against God, and you cannot fulfill even the first of the commandments, let alone the second. There's a reason why I chose Galatians as our Bible study that we've been doing on Wednesdays. Because every church is a little Galatia. And this one's no different. I worry about you, Galatia. Do you, do, are you legalistic? Are you worried about the law? Are you worried about how people look? How they dress? What they do? What they've done in their life? What they've done in the past? Where they're going? Or are you fulfilling the commission? Which is to take the gospel. Not to Judaize. Not to, not to say, Here, here's a list of all the things we do at our church. Here's a list of all the things we don't do at our church. These are all more important than anything else, so just be careful, because if you don't do them, we're going to kick you out. Are we going to be like the shepherds? That because of Joseph's righteousness, did the right thing, so that God could pour into him as a vessel and use him, so that he could go and do something that is Chain, it split time in half. B.C. and A.D., it split time in half. There has been nothing in this world that has caused a greater good than the birth of that baby. Was God in, at that moment, in the synagogue, or was he in a dirty manger with dirty animals, with dirty people? That's up for us, each one, to decide. What's the most important? After I get done, Fred is going to lead us in communion. And I ask every one of you, repentance. I stand before you as a chief of sinners. Repentance. Not for me. It's not for the person next to you. It's for God. It's for you. That you can get over yourself and go out. So that tonight, when you're with your family, you can rest easy knowing that you're doing the right thing because it's the right thing. And that we can truly be the feet in the body of Christ because it's the right thing. It's what God commands. It is the right thing. May we get out of our pews. I went to a church one time where they literally had Spots worn into this pews from where people were the same person every day. They were there five, six days a week. It was unbelievable. 
That's what you've done for the church. What have you done for the body of Christ lately? The church will survive. Even if this church goes down, another one will pop up. God will keep doing his message. It doesn't have to be us. If you don't do it, somebody else will do it. But I worry about you, Galatia, that you would hold fast to the truth of God. It's so simple. So simple. This so simple. Came as a baby. Lived the perfect life. Died three days later. Resurrected. And just believing in him is all we need to do to go to heaven. It's that simple. It's that simple. May you all take this time to clear your conscience so that you can partake of the Lord's Supper before we go off onto our ways to be with our family and we be ministers unto our family and those around us. Inspire us today for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this time. I thank you for these people who are faithful, that I know, I, I can see it in them, that they want to do your work. They want to do. May you bless their hands that they may do it. May you bless their feet that they run towards you. May you bless these people that in this time they will understand that the greatest gift they can ever do in their lifetime is to get out of the way and let you shine through their actions and through what they do. Lord, just be with these people. Be with this church. Be with everybody here. May they find what they're looking for. May they find a leader who will lead them into the future. Not the leader they want, the leader they need. May you bless everything they do and make it all work towards your glory. In this day and forever. I ask all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.